Welcome to the PSD cast of Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Jason Lumberg, and in today's episode, we're returning to arguably the hottest industry topic, that being wideband gap semiconductors. Now, MOSFETs have been much preferred for all manner of switching applications, but because of a number of limitations, which we'll get into shortly, some OEMs have begun to explore the idea of using silicon carbide devices in cascode arrangements. And here to shed some light on this trend is Anup Bahala, VP of Engineering from United Silicon Carbide. So Anup, welcome to the show. And we, we delved into this topic a bit when we spoke with you at PCIM about uh, United Six Silicon Carbide FETs, and, and you could find the link to that video in this post. But before we go any further, can you tell our audience a little about yourself? What kind of experience do you have with silicon carbide? Sure. Uh, before I do that, you know, I'd like to let you know I spent about uh, between mid the mid nineties and uh, 2012. I spent. Uh, I was actually working on silicon, high voltage silicon MOSFETs, IGBTs, all those devices. And it, it's only in 2012 uh, that I moved to silicon carbide. Uh, before that, you know, in 2000, I was uh, uh, among the founding people of Alpha and Omega Semiconductor, a startup that did all kinds of silicon devices, low and high voltage. So 2012 mm-hmm. is when I finally got into silicon carbide. And my main interest in doing that was, in fact, to explore uh, how we could bring this cascode device to market. Um, and since then, you know, this company has put out a lot of uh, – uh, United Silicon Carbide, that is, has put out a lot of diodes and cascode-based products. Mm-hmm. Now, in preparation for this interview, I, I read your white paper, uh, Practical Considerations When Comparing SICK and GAN in Power Applications, and, uh, and like the name suggests, it delves into wideband gap semiconductor devices like silicon carbide and gallium nitride, both of which have taken over the industry, and also some of the innate limitations of MOSFETs. So what, what are some of these issues, uh, the, the limitations? Right. So one of the, one of the limitations that silicon carbide MOSFETs have had and continue to have is that uh, unlike in silicon, when you grow a gate oxide to form a MOSFET structure, you inherently get mobilities in the channel that is formed at the surface to turn on and off the switch. You get mobilities there that are poor, which lead to high resistance. And because the silicon carbide is itself a wide band gap semiconductor, in the crystal you're operating at maybe 10 times the electric field of silicon devices. So this tends to put a lot of stress on the oxide because the oxide is the same as in silicon, but now you're putting uh, right underneath the oxide in the crystal there's 10 times electric field. So this stress has to be managed. And in the act of managing these uh, to achieve better reliability, you have to trade off a lot of um, performance in the form of uh, specific on resistance per unit area. Uh, furthermore, because of these high electric fields, you know, you under overstress conditions, such as during short circuit when high currents flow and there's high electric fields at the same time, you can have, you know, uh, much faster degradation in these devices just because they're operating under higher electric fields at higher temperatures with the gate oxide. So the JFET structure, which is a bulk device, is something that we latched onto a long time ago. Uh, it's a bulk device where even if you, all the current flows deep in the crystal, even if you operate it under these conditions, there are no degradation mechanisms of this sort. There is no interface with the gate oxide. So there is no possibility of thresholds shifting. So this is the main thing that drove, the, uh, uh, drove us to select the JFET-based approach to constructing switches. 
Mm-hmm. Now, now, now you're, you're getting into JFETs, and, but you also mentioned that for switching applications, normally off types are, are usually preferred. Why is that exactly? Yeah, I think you know, the, over the last 20, 30 years, uh, most of the power electronic circuit technology, whether it's for inverters, DC-DC converters, etc., it has all been built for normally off switches. They are mostly voltage source uh, type converters where there will be uh, two switches, a high side and a low side switch, connected across, let's say, a high DC voltage bus. So you can imagine if the circuit starts up and the the devices are normally on, I mean, if the two devices are normally on, you're shorting out that bus. So if the circuitry that controls these devices doesn't power up ahead of time, you have a short across the power bus. So that's the simple reason why people don't like to see normally on type devices there. Uh, I mean, the infrastructure doesn't exist uh, to work with normally on devices in the traditional circuits. Uh, also, you know, if the circuit is operating, you have to consider that if in some event uh, gate control power is lost, so the gate drives stop working properly, you want the switches to just go into their off state and keep everything safe. These devices would be in their on state, in which case, again, the high power bus would be shorted out. So this can lead to something blowing up in the system, uh, problems like that. Right now, let, let's let's get into like the meat of of your white paper. So, how does applying a cascode arrangement help help create a normally off device? Sure. You know, the cascode concept is actually a very old concept. came originally from uh, uh, came originally from a need to do higher frequency amplification. And then uh, I think in the 90s, people looked at it uh, uh, as a thing that one could apply to power devices uh, when the semiconductor te- technology only allowed the creation of normally on type devices. And the way it works is you take a low voltage MOSFET made out of silicon in our case, and you put it in series with the normally on device. And because this normally off MOSFET is in series with the higher voltage device, the net combination of the two uh, behaves like a normally off device. So if the low voltage FET is held off, its, gate, its, voltage, um, its drain to source voltage is high, and we use this drain to source voltage to apply a reverse bias to the gate source of the high voltage device, keeping it off. And as soon as you apply a signal to turn the low voltage device on, you essentially short the gate source of the normally on device. Under that condition, it's on. So by this simple technique, I know it sounds simple, but by this technique, you can uh, co-package these two devices, and the outcome is a three-terminal normally off device. Right. Now, obviously, the natural follow-up to that is which of the traditional MOSFET limitations does a cascode arrangement solve, and, and, and how exactly is this achieved? Right. So one of the problems you know we all encountered when we built silicon carbide MOSFETs was that in order to get the resistance of the channel down low enough, we had to apply very high gate voltages. Especially in the previous generation of MOSFETs, you needed to drive the gate at 20 volts. Uh, And this was not common because the IGBTs and other MOSFETs they were trying to replace, those were all driven at 12 volts and 15 volts. So by using a silicon device in our configuration, we made that problem go away because the gate voltages that you need to drive our device are like traditional silicon devices that even today dominate the market. 
the other problem that it solves is that in the silicon carbide MOSFET, when we would say you need to drive our gates at 25 volts or 20 volts, the maximum rating of the gate of the silicon carbide MOSFET was only uh, like 22 volts or 25 volts. So we were driving them too close to the absolute maximum limit, which is, you know, which has certain reliability implications. In our case, we use the silicon MOSFET. Traditionally, you can, if you want, you can drive it at 12 volts, but the maximum rating of the gate is still 25 volts. So you have a huge amount of headroom from a reliability point of view. Another thing that we were able to do with the CAS code is we designed it so the JFET, the high-voltage silicon carbide JFET, which is a very robust device, we designed it to carry all the, to control how this device behaves, especially during things like short circuit, where it limits the current. What that does is, unlike any other device in the market, you can change the gate voltage of this MOSFET, but it will not influence the peak current that this device will saturate at. And that opens up the possibility that you can have a solid uh, short circuit rating, even as you change your, change your gate drive to, do, to meet your application needs. This is something no MOSFET can do, not even in silicon. Okay, so before we go, let, let's, let's discuss a little proprietary technology um, as, as the white paper does. So um, you, you got, I, I think you, you discussed um, their, their CASCO device a little bit. Um, what, what exactly sets that apart from the competition? So, you know, in order to engineer this CASCO device, you know, we had to approach a lot of things from first principles, and we had to choose device structures, both for the MOSFET and the JFET that we use, which are designed to work well in this cascode configuration. Uh, it's a, one of the most important aspects of the JFET structure we use is that by itself, this JFET has almost zero drain-to-source capacitance. And by this technique, it does not form a voltage divider with the low-voltage MOSFET. That means when, when a voltage, high voltage is applied to this device, after the initial uh, 10 or 20 volts to bias off the JFET, all the voltage develops across the JFET. It doesn't stress the MOSFET any further. So this is a consequence of the device structure we've chosen. Furthermore, um, the, the MOSFET is designed you know, to be very, very avalanche robust. Um, it's also designed to have a very good intrinsic body diode. And the net outcome of this is that the Casco device in third quadrant offers you basically a short key-like performance in on-state voltage and very good uh, reverse recovery characteristics. So once you've put a cascode into your circuit, there is no further need for silicon carbide diodes in that circuit to control QRR, um, reverse recovery-related phenomena. So that, those are some of the big things. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Anupa, again, thanks for your time and, and coming aboard the show. We, we want to we thank you today, and to our audience, thanks for tuning in.